What's up guys, it's Cam here for another edition of Down to the Wire, and I have a, uh, a guest with me, you might, you might recognize him. Um, yeah, so go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm back people, y'all already know who I am, I don't need an introduction. Yeah, so Mason's back, finally, since like what, like last September or so? Had to be. Of course, we haven't really um, done a podcast consistently since like October, but you know, but still, you haven't been here in forever, but you're back. I am and back. And we're here to talk a lot of NBA, right? Heck yeah, we are. That's yeah, my sport. That, that, that's Mason's jam, is, uh, is NBA. So, we tried to record this last week. And we did, but of course, you know, sound equipment and technology. Technology. It sounds terrible because it's just dumb. I'm not even going to go into detail because I'll just (laughs) bore you. But yeah, so back at it here. So pretty much going to be doing the same thing that we did last week, which of course you didn't even hear. So uh, it's just going to be us rambling about (laughs) basketball and maybe a little bit of football there at the end. New to you, old to us. Just to, yeah, yeah. So just to get everybody's kind of feet wet, that's what we'll be doing. Um, But yeah, so um, we're going to start off, and I know this was a little over a week ago, but we're going to kind of break down the NBA draft uh, for us. And so, um, yeah, so Mason, what, uh, hold on, let me bring up the draft real quick, and uh, we'll kind of go down um, the list of the first round, uh, probably first 15 or so picks. Um, and uh, we'll kind of get thoughts on it. Uh, just kind of before we kind of do that, what were your initial thoughts of the draft uh, last week? I feel like this was actually a pretty basic draft. There was maybe one or two surprise picks, but everybody kind of went in the same order that everybody was thinking. And it seems like there might be one or two potential stars in the actual draft, and the rest of them are going to be certified role players which is normally a surprise for NBA drafts, normally kind of stacked up with actual talent. So Yeah, so I did see something uh, earlier today on Facebook, of all places, um, and 10 years ago was the 2009 NBA draft, Ooh. which had uh, Blake Griffin, um, you had James Harden, yeah. Steph, DeMar DeRozan. All of them superstars. Yeah. So that, that was a pretty pretty legit draft there. Um, so, yeah, we'll run down to the draft real quick. Of course, number one overall, who would have guessed it? My um, <laughs> Kelly Pell's draft, Zion Williamson. John Morant goes to the Grizzlies. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and then R.J. Barrett goes to the Knicks. Um, if anybody recalls, and we'll, we'll go over this a little bit later in the show, um, the Lakers traded their number four pick to the Pelicans to get Anthony Davis along with a lot of other players. Um, and then about an hour, a little less than an hour probably before the draft starts, the Pelicans traded that pick to the Hawks, who ended up um, drafting uh, DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Um, number five is Darius Garland to the Cavs. Uh, the Suns traded their pick to the Timberwolves for Jared Culver. Um, so the Timberwolves get Jared Culver out of Texas Tech. Bulls draft Kobe White. Um, the Pelicans get the number eight pick from the Hawks. They draft a big man from Texas, Jackson Hayes. The Wizards get. Ru- Can you? How do you pronounce this dude's name? Rui Hachimura. All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, goes to the Wizards. Hawks uh, draft Cam Reddish. 
uh, the T-Wolves trade their pick to the Suns, as we talked about earlier, so the Suns get the Timberwolves' number 11 pick at this, as the Timberwolves move up to 6. Uh, so the Suns draft Cameron Johnson. Hornets draft a uh, big man from Kentucky, uh, P.J. Washington. The Heat draft Tyler Hero. Celtics, your Celtics draft Romeo Langford? Romeo. Where is he, he from? Romeo. Indiana. Indiana. Uh, and then uh, just to stop at 15 so we won't keep on, keep on going, um, the Pistons draft uh, Siko, whatever his name is. Can you pronounce that? Nope. This okay. one's all, all yeah. you. Uh, Doomboya, I guess. Um, and then just to kind of uh, round out um, the uh, rest of the first round for Mason since the Celtics had uh, two more picks at 20 and 22. Um Y'all draft y'all y'all traded the twentieth pick to the 76ers, so actually I'll skip that one. But at number twenty two, y'all draft a Grant Williams out of Tennessee. So, what are your thoughts first on your Celtics kind of draft class there in the first round? What do you think? So I'll start with Romeo since he was the higher pick. Um, dude was a baller at Indiana, but um, I think the one knock on him coming into the draft is the fact that he was terrible shooting the three ball this year. But at the same time, he had a torn ligament in his shooting thumb the entire year that he played through. But uh, So I'm assuming that actually affected his shot. Um, I really like the pick. Kid has major upside, and he kind of fits the Danny Ainge, Brad, Brad uh, Stevenson system, which is a bigger guard who can handle it and get to the rack and uh, who can contribute and basically come in right away and be a guy who will help out. Um, the Grant Williams pick at first made me want to put my head through a wall. It really did because I wanted Bol Bol. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably get into Bol Bol a little bit later too. But after the fact, I sat down, thought about it, and loved the Grant Williams pick. Um, so you changed your mind. Changed my mind. Did you feel that way last week? Yes, I did actually. You felt the way that you liked the pick last week, or that you hated it? That I liked the pick. Okay. Yes. Um, so there hasn't been a change since we last recorded. No, no. Because this is actually a question I didn't even ask last week. So. <laughs> yes. So um, I really like the kid. He's a high IQ guy. His mom actually is an engineer for NASA. So smart kid. One of the strongest kids in the draft, actually. So um, plays a little bit like Al Horford. Obviously not as good as Al Horford. So I think they're trying to find a replacement but he's a really great kid. It seems like they're trying to find people who are high work ethic, um, not very troublemaking type of guys. Like shout out to Kyrie Irving. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So that's what I got for my first round. What you got for the Pelicans? Okay. So uh, obviously Pelicans had uh, two picks. Of course, the number one overall pick and Zion Williamson, which of course is the best pick in the draft. Um, big name. He's going to be great. He, I mean, the hype around him, not even just in New Orleans, but just around the country has been crazy. Um, I heard something on the radio uh, this week that he has sold the most jerseys for a rookie like post-draft ever. Or something similar like that. Or maybe in like the first like 10 hours. Or I think it was like he has sold more jerseys combined than any or than the rest of the people that got drafted in this draft. Yeah. So, so you have Zion Williamson, number one. And then everybody else. Then everybody else. Yeah. Combined. And I mean, that includes John Morant, who's a big pick. That includes uh, R.J. Barrett, who's a big pick for the Knicks. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, 
he's of course going to be fantastic. We'll see how he if he can develop a jump shot because if he can, you better watch out. He could be <laughs> the next great one if he can develop a jump shot. Um, and then the pick uh, down at what was it eight um, with Jackson Hayes. We need a big man, and um, Texas has had a run of big men getting drafted in the first round the past couple years. Um, so he's athletic. Um, we need a center just to develop at least because, I mean, even in free agency, which we'll talk about a little bit later, we'll see how both the Pelicans and both uh, and the uh, Celtics kind of are looking at free agency and what we need kind of going forward. And so it's a position of need for the Pelicans of drafting a center. So um, I definitely understand the pick. And, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, the main thing is is, is, is Zion. I mean, nobody else really cares about the Pelicans draft other than that. So, um I did had a wow. I have to speak right here. I <laughs> did okay. have a question for you. So Darius Garland, who was the point guard at Vandy, um, who got injured early in the year, um, and, and we'll go ahead and say so. Ball Ball, uh, the big man from Oregon, also got injured at the beginning of the year um, for Oregon, so he didn't play at all. Um, he was a projected first-round pick, and he dropped all the way to the late second round. What was it, like 44, I think? 44, 43? Yeah, it was 44. The, dra- the Heat drafted him and then traded them to the Nuggets. So he dropped from being probably a top-ten pick lock, um, probably top-five lock, top yeah. five lock, and then drops all the way to 44 in the second round. So Yikes. I guess kind of what I'm going to be asking here is, is that both – um, Darius Garland, who was a top five pick, and Ball Ball both got injured early in their college career, um, early this season. A lot of different results. So, what do you think of one, the hype for Garland, and two, of the drop of Ball Ball, and how possibly the injuries might have affected those? So, I think with Ball Ball, his injured foot is still something that the NBA teams were worried about. The fact that um, I was hearing that he was actually might going to have to have surgery on it again, which would have affected his play this season. And the fact that Ball Ball is maybe 200 pounds soaking wet, which is kind of ridiculous for an NBA center, um, especially with him being, what is he, 7'3 or something like that? Probably taller, actually, right? I think he's like six eleven though. I don't know. Uh, somewhere around there. He, I mean, he's he's freaking huge. He's tall and skinny. He's that's that's skinny. all I know. He's got, he's got them chicken legs. So. <laughs> but so I think that really affected his draft stock. Um, now with Darius Garland, um, he kind of it looks like he's starting to fit the prototypical NBA point guard, which is can handle the ball and has unlimited range. You see that with Steph Curry, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, like. He's just kind of looks like he's starting to fit into the mold of what a typical NBA point guard is coming out to look like. Um, so I do like that pick. Um, I saw a little bit of him at Vandy. He played like five games or something like that. Um, but in those games, he was a monster on the offensive end. Uh, we'll see how he fits in with um, Colin Sexton. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So we're about to kind of go over the winners and losers. Um, of the draft, so so winners and losers, Mason. I'll let you. I'll let you start on that one. Um, so obviously the Pelicans are a winner. Blah blah blah. I'll skip Yeet. them. Um, for, so my next winner would be the Atlanta Hawks. Um, being able to make that trade to get the four pick and get DeAndre Hunter, and then also have the ten pick and uh, get Cam Reddish. 
um, was a very impressive draft for me for them because those are two players that fit what they're trying to do perfectly. You get a 3 and D guy with DeAndre Hunter, and then you get another 3 and D guy with Cam Reddish, but who has unlimited potential because um, of how big and long and how great he can actually shoot. Um, he was supposed to be one of Duke's best players this year, and so obviously Zion and um, R.J. Barrett came on and kind of took the load over. Um, so you kind of saw Cam Reddish slow down a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in with um, Trey Young. Uh, and then another team I have is the Grizzlies, who obviously drafted John ja Morant, their point god of the future. Um, <laughs> that's his nickname, point yeah, god. I know. Yeah, I heard that. Interesting. <laughs> um, so... They have him to replace Mike Conley, and then um, they were able to trade and get Brandon Clark, who is a guy out of Gonzaga who totally dropped a ton. Was supposed to be a probably right around 10 or so um, pick, but ended up falling to 21, and they were able to trade in and pick him. Um, so I like both of those draft, um, draft teams, actually. Um, so what do you got? Yeah, so uh, winners for me, uh, obviously the Pelicans. I really liked uh, Atlanta's uh, draft. Um, again, just kind of agreeing with you with Cam Reddish um, and then kind of moving up to get him. I think he'll be a solid player. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, also DeAndre Hunter getting a 3 and D guy. I think he's really solid for them. So I think they're really trying to build up a nice like young core um, and trying to build it the right way. Um, I think a player that I really thought was a winner was, um, if I can find him real quick, uh, Chuma Okiki out of Auburn, which um, I don't know how like highly hyped he was in college. Um, so, and again, he did injure himself, uh, his, his ACL uh, in, in the tournament. So I didn't know how yeah. much of an effect that would be. Uh, with him because, I mean, he's not even probably close to being fully recovered yet. I mean, he's still got a long ways to go with that. So he might not even get to play. He's not going to be able to play in the summer league, obviously. No. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how his process goes. But um, it's uh, it's interesting just seeing – I mean, I just didn't know how, how highly rated he was – as, as a prospect, so yeah, I was, he was surprising, and I think it's a win for him. I was surprised that he was actually picked right around there, um, but the fact that he tore his ACL was, I think, the reason why he was not projected to get drafted at all, honestly. Um, but, yeah, Chuma Okiki, I agree with you on being a winner. Yeah, so, um, losers. Losers. The Phoenix Suns. Does anybody yeah, know yeah. what they're doing with their lives yeah, right now? Yeah, I, I definitely have the Suns. Nobody <laughs> knows what they're doing. So, like, they need a point guard. And they could have gotten, um, uh, what's his name? Kobe White yeah. out of uh, UNC. And because they have the sixth pick, and they could have drafted him. But they trade back to the Timberwolves, and the Bulls, you know, get Kobe White. So... You don't get a point guard, and then you, you draft Cameron Johnson, which I, I don't get. At 11, which is crazy because he was projected to go in the 30s. Yeah, so that doesn't really make sense to me, and I, nobody really knows what they're doing. You draft Cameron so, Johnson, an injury-prone 6'7 guard <clears throat> who can't play defense and can only shoot. 
It just, I, mean, I don't you understand. Have Booker. Like, why do you, like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, so, you need a point guard, and, and then you don't I'll, have one, and you basically pass up on getting a pretty good rookie who people are excited about with Kobe White. Yeah. So I, I don't get it. And then they also, before the draft, trade away TJ Warren, which was smart. Got rid of that cap space, but they basically gave him away for free. So you trade away TJ Warren, fill up some cap room, and uh, which is the only smart thing they've ever done with their lives. And then they come back and they trade for Dario Sar- Saric and Aaron Baines, which basically eats back into their cap room that they just got rid of. So going off of that, the Suns have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea what the Suns are doing. Nobody has idea an idea what the Suns are doing. So it's just ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, who else you got? Colin Sexton as a loser, which really hurts my heart because he's my Bama boy. But um, going into the draft, Colin Sexton, Sexton was thought to be their point guard of the future. And then what do they do? They draft another point guard in Darius Garland. And then they come back at the very end of the draft and get Kevin Porter Jr., um, which are two basically guards who have to have the ball in their hands when they're working. So it'll be interesting to see what they do between Gar- uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Um, you hear the rumors that, rumors that they're trying to basically recreate what Portland did with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, um, which I don't think will happen in my personal opinion. I mean, if, but like, So we were talking about how we didn't know what the Suns were doing. We really don't know what the Cavs are doing other than no. maybe try and recreate a Lillard-McCollum yeah, situation. which will be really tough because if you look at that, Damian Lillard had already established himself as their best player before they drafted C.J. McCollum. Um, with that, with Colin Sexton, he, you have no idea what he yeah, is I right mean, now. With, with both of these players that you draft, and, and a lot of people think that Darius Garland is going to be good. A lot of people think that maybe um, Colin Sexton will be good, but like you don't, you don't know. Yeah. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how all that kind of turns out um, with that. So um, got anything else? I mean, obviously, ball, ball, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely big loser. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, For me, other than those, um, I have the big man from LSU, Nas Reed. Before college, was a projected top 10 round pick, Locke. He leaves after one year. A lot of kind of fans think that he probably should have come back. Yeah, he 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 should have gone back. (laughs) didn't get drafted. Um, was once a, a first-round lock, top 10 lock, goes undrafted, which is re- which is kind of shocking with the athleticism he has and the skill set that he has. Kind of fits what the big men in the NBA are now, which is stretch four, stretch five, that can shoot the three, and can drive the ball and distribute. But I think his issue is kind of all seasons because apparently he showed up to campus overweight. He trimmed down. Apparently after he left campus before the draft stuff, he gained like 20 pounds or so. What, you got a big baby part two? Big baby part two, man. <laughs> Not as good, apparently. Um, but yeah, so uh, kind of big loser there. Um, so sleeper draft picks. Who do you like in this draft, whether it be first round, like late first round, second round, that you think is kind of a diamond in the rough, like a Steph Curry type? Uh, or not Steph Curry, maybe like DeMar DeRozan. I don't know. You, I mean, you can probably find a better comparison than I can. But, like, who do you think is going to be a real solid either role player, maybe turn into a star, but at least a solid role or starter uh, that's probably after pick, you know, 10 or so in the draft? All right. There's a guy late in the first round who went to the Golden State Warriors. Um, 
Poole, Jordan Poole, absolute stud at Michigan. Um, I think the one thing that NBA scouts were worried about him was he took a lot of really stupid shots and he was really selfish with the ball at Michigan, but he was he got absolute buckets down there. Um, so I think if you can pair him with somebody like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, they're obviously not going to let him take those stupid shots, and he's obviously not going to hog the ball there. So you get him to a point where he can stand in the corner, be out on the outside perimeter, and just knock down shots for them. Um, I think that will be huge for him this year, especially since Clay Thompson will be out for until February. So I think he, he has potential to be a star. Okay, yeah, so you got another one. Is that it for you? No, that's okay. it. Okay, so uh, I have two. Um, first one was dra- uh, pick number 36 for um, Charlotte, uh, Cody Martin out of Nevada, uh, one of the Martin twins. Uh, both of them really solid, but Cody, um, really kind of a tall 6'9", I think is what his height is, uh, forward, kind of like a point forward, really. 6'7", uh, 200 is, is his height and weight. But um, he, he's real solid. He's got really good handles. He can really drive to the rim. He averaged 12 points, 12.1 points uh, last year um, to help him to the tourney. Um, and, I mean, he, he's a real solid player. He has good size. He can handle the ball. Um, and uh, he just, you know, has to, has to get a shot, um, as do a lot of players. But I think he's going to be really solid, either a really solid wall player or maybe even a starter eventually down the line. Um, and my other sleeper, which you should be excited about, is my boy Tremont Waters. I don't know what you <laughs> the five nine maybe point guard. Oh, it has man. him listed as five eleven. No way. On, uh, NBA.com in the draft. <laughs> There's no way he's five eleven. He's like he might have been standing nine. on a box for that. Um, yeah, the dude has legit handles. He's really quick. Um, he's got a good shot. Uh, maybe just needs to get a little bit more consistent with it, can really get to the rim and distribute. The only thing with him, uh, especially last year, this past season, more so than his freshman year, is just he made like a lot of boneheaded plays sometimes. So mm-hmm. he was kind of um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type situation sometimes. You either love him or hate him, but hey, he's a really solid player. And kind of like you were talking about earlier with the Celtics, there's just something about kind of small guards that Brad Stevens just – either loves or just has like the magic touch with with Isaiah Thomas, um, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, yeah. um, and now Tremont Water. So we'll see how he develops. I'm really excited about him. So uh, any other thoughts about the draft? We got the Summer League coming up. Summer League starts Friday. Friday. First game. Yes, sir. Zion and R.J. Barrett, Knicks, and uh, New Orleans. Do the ticket prices for that? I was hearing this morning are like ridiculous. Are you serious like, for summer uh, league? For summer league, like the game for that game. Oh my god! Is like for regular seats is like maybe a hundred bucks, maybe a little <laughs> bit more is the cheapest when they're usually like around like forty. The Zion effect and already. Like seat like suite tickets are like upwards of nine hundred dollars. That's ridiculous. So like the height for Zion is legit, man. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, summer league starts. I know you're excited. The, I mean, the first game on Friday is probably going to be the only game that I watch. <laughs> the Celtics are about to run the summer league. Just write who, it down. Who cares? Just write it's it just down. It's just summer league. Nah, Nobody cares. We'll see. Anyways, so uh, we'll kind of get to the uh, free agency now, and kind of the first thing, kind of we'll talk about free agency of trades. Of course, is the big trade that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, what was it? Three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Mm, probably about three, three, yeah. three. Yeah, three weeks ago. 
Um, is the Pelicans and Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. Um, initial thoughts on the trade itself, and we'll kind of get into the details of it here in a minute. This has been one of the first big-time star trades like this where I can come out of it and say that both teams won the deal. The Lakers had to make this move um, with getting Anthony Davis because of LeBron. LeBron is kind of hitting his downfall, it looks like, you think. but um, So they had to get Anthony Davis to pair with LeBron. Um, and if you look at it from the Pelicans' standpoint, this was a perfect deal for them. The fact that they won the draft lottery and were able to draft Zion Williamson is the reason that they were able to trade with the Lakers and get all those draft picks because you know you're getting your star in Zion Williamson. So you can take a chance on Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and still be getting five first-round draft picks instead of having to trade with the Celtics and getting Jason Tatum and doing something like that. But great move for both teams, I think. Lakers about to be scary. Yes, so um, with the Pelicans, uh, let's just talk about the, the details of the, uh, of the trade. So Pelicans trade, of course, Anthony Davis to the Lakers. So Pelicans get Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, and uh, three first-round picks, including the number four pick that was in this year's draft that was eventually traded to the Hawks um, for pick number eight um, and uh, two second rounds, I think, or one second round. And 17. And then uh, the next, next year, pick for next year's draft. Um, so, And the f- other two future first-round picks is a protected pick and 2021 – um, which becomes unprotected in 2022, and then an unprotected first rounder in 2024. Um, and there might be a second round pick somewhere in there as well, maybe that I'm not seeing. But yeah, so um, big haul there for the Pelicans getting Lonzo Ball, Josh Harper, and Ingram. Two of those probably going to be starters. Maybe one starter. Uh, Brandon Ingram is definitely a starter day one. Lonzo Ball, not sure yet. He probably will be. Um, yeah, I think he'll probably he will be, be a starter next to Drew Holiday, and then Josh Hart should be a solid bench player from uh, Villanova, which I'm kind of excited about seeing. So, yep. um, really good about that. And then, of course, Lakers like you can't say it's a downer that you get like a top five player in the world. Yeah, exactly. No matter what you give up, even though you only have three even though right now you team. only have like four players. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll kind of get into that here in a minute. Uh, Lakers like. We'll, we'll just get into it now. What are the Lakers doing? They have they they did another trade. So like kind of more details on on the trade that they made with the Pelicans. There's like something within the CBA that says something about they would have like more money in their cap space if this deal would finalize. What on like July thirtieth? Yeah, or July thirtieth. Like and this deal is uh, finalizing on July sixth yes. instead. If they wait until July 30th, they would have gotten a lot more money in their cap, cap space and be able to sign a third max deal kind of contract player. Yeah, without having to make another move. Without Yeah, without having to make another move. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but they didn't do that. And there was something that came out, which I don't know was true or not, that uh, Palenka, the GM for the Lakers, didn't realize that detail. And if that's true, then I don't know what you're doing being a GM of the yeah. Lakers. Um, yeah. So, so with that, they, they didn't have enough. Cap, they don't have enough cap space to sign a third max deal player. 
They then just made a trade a couple days ago, three days ago. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, let me two days ago. find it real quick. Um, where they traded three more players to who they who they traded to? To the Wizards. To the Wizards? Yeah. So the Wizards um, basically took on those three players cap. Um then opening the door for the Lakers to officially have room for a max contract slot. Okay, so they traded Mo Wagner out of Michigan, right? Yeah. Uh, Isaac Bonga and Jerry O. Jones to the Wizards, uh, along with a 2022 second round pick in exchange for cash. So they don't get any players out of that. They basically just traded three more players. So they've traded a total of six players for this offseason off for. Anthony Davis, yes, <laughs> and a, hopefully a third max contract player, which they're probably hoping for Kawhi or Kyrie. Let's just be real. Yeah, so what it looks like right now is that they're pushing their chips in to Kawhi Leonard, and apparently Kawhi is actually starting to consider them. Um, I heard the other day he called Magic Johnson and said, hey, I want to meet with you regarding the Lakers. Let's make it happen, and that's when they're going to meet when free agency opens. Um, on July, or actually June 30th this year. Um, so it looks like Kawhi is actually starting to consider it. Um, so I think the only thing that they're going to do with their cap room is either sign Kawhi, maybe Kyrie, and if they strike out on both of them, then they'll spread out their money on a couple other guys, maybe like a Danny Green, and they'll try and find a center, and a couple other things. So just looking at the current roster for the Lakers as it stands now with all these trades happening they have six players <laughs> they have Anthony Davis Kyle Kuzma LeBron James um, Talon Horton Tucker uh, Alex Caruso and Jonathan Williams <laughs> LeBron is a team killer think about this every team that he goes to ends up dying a couple years after he leaves. Because he trades away, he gets the the GM to trade away every young player and every asset that they own. I would say that more so with the Cavs, more so than the Heat, whenever he was with the Heat. The Heat lost it because Chris Bosh just yeah. like basically died. Yeah, that is <laughs> I mean, true. Chris Bosh had, had uh, uh, health issues, and so I think that's really kind of a big part because he, he was their other you know all-star. Yeah. Unquote, but think about it, they D-Wade. they didn't have any of their young players either. So they haven't been the same because they haven't had to had the chance to develop any young guys in the same way that you see with the Cavs right now, too. I mean, the Cavs have always been a mess unless LeBron was there. Yeah. I mean, let's just kind of be honest about yeah. that one. They, they've, been, they've been struggling for a while. Um, so, yeah, so Lakers have, have six players. You sign... So I, I'm sorry. I, I kind of was just kind of looking at my phone trying to find these the, the current roster. So they have the room to sign a max player, and do they have any more cap room to get anybody else besides that third max? So the NBA has a couple different um, things. They have a mid-level exception for NBA teams. Um, I don't know what the Lakers would be after they signed a max contract. It'd probably be right around three million dollars. So they would have that, and then they have the chance to fill in some veteran contracts for um, a couple, like a million dollars or so, something like that. Um, So they can fill out their roster after that if they sign a max contract, but it'll be a very bad roster. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess my question is, 
and, and we can kind of be our own GMs here. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this, that way kind of everybody knows uh, about this year's free agency. And I heard this today as well. 40% of the NBA players That's are going to be free agents this year. Over 200 people are free agents. Free, 40% of the league. Yeah. Has that ever happened in any league before? I doubt it. I, I mean, if it has, then I'm going to be real interested. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Because the NBA landscape has a big chance to drastically change this offseason. Oh, yeah. 40% of players being free agents, whether they be restricted or unrestricted free agents, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 40% is legit. I mean, over 200 players. So let me kind of uh, bring up a list of free agents this year. So obviously Kawhi Leonard... Um, and then, um, who else we got? We got Kyrie is a free agent. Um, KD. KD. Um, Kimball Walker. Heck yeah. Clay Thompson. <laughs> Chris Stapps Porzingis. Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris. Chris Middleton. Uh, Nikola Vulvacek. Did I say that right? Vucevic. Something Vucevic. like that. Close enough. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Malcolm Brogdon, J.J. Redick, DeMarcus Cousins, Al Horford. I mean, you get the picture. DeAndre Hunter, Paul Millsap, Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle. I mean, that's... A lot of guys. The, that's the top guys. That's a lot of guys. That's a lot. So, I guess my question is, if you're the Lakers, if you're a GM for the Lakers, how do you build out your roster now? Do you go and get a third max player and hope that your starting five can carry you to a championship? Or do you look and find role players, cheap players that can fill out your roster, give you a better bench? Like, like what do you do? So if I'm the Lakers right now, my the only max guy I try and sign is Kawhi Leonard. And if I can't get Kawhi Leonard, then I spread it out completely. There's no way I want... Kyrie Irving, if I'm the Lakers. You don't want to pair up Kyrie and LeBron again? No. Not on the Lakers. Especially with Anthony Davis? No. That's just a bomb waiting to go off. But, so if I'm them, it's either Kawhi or spread it out. And Kawhi would be number one option. Yeah, so, um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of, kind of what happens here. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you'll get Kawhi. I think he's really just going to go and listen. I really think, and, and I don't know if he'll do this, but I really think he should probably stay in Toronto. Um, one, does he want to be second or third wheel on the Lakers? Does, does he care about that? Because, like, you're not going to be bigger than LeBron. No. And you might not even be, be bigger than AD. No. You might not. I mean, you could be, but you're not really going to know until you until you sign that paper and get over there yeah. and the season starts. So, like, do you want to be the second option? Do you want to be the third option? And Toronto, you're the king of, of Canada. He is the face of like, Canada right like, now. Like, you're bigger than Drake right now, probably. In <laughs> I mean, Drake's, Drake's pretty big, but, like... Like, you can try and be, like, second fiddle, like, second biggest man maybe in L.A., or you can be the biggest thing in Canada. Yeah. 
Or you can go to the Clippers and be the number one guy at the Clippers because I know they've been kind of talked about a lot. I don't know how real that really is. Yeah, I would love um, to see him go to the Clippers and bring Jimmy funny. Butler with him. Uh, yeah, I think I think it'd be kind of funny if he went to the Clippers. But honestly, I think he should stay in Toronto. And if that's the case with the Lakers, man, you got to go and find good, solid people that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg and build out a roster. You need a guy down low that can complement AD – um, and, and you need a point guard or some sort of guard to be able to help distribute and give LeBron a break whenever he just wants to play off ball or whatever. And you got to find bench players that way you can give these guys rest. That way LeBron can get a little bit more rest than what he got in Cleveland. Um, that way you can give AD a break whenever he gets hurt because he's going to get hurt this year. I can pretty much guarantee oh, yeah. that he's like <clears throat> paper. Um, and so like you're gonna have you're gonna have to fill something out. So I would spend all that money on role players and bench players. Because, like, LeBron and AD with um, KD leaving the Warriors, and we all know he's leaving. He's not going to resign. Um, like, those two should be enough for you to get deep in the playoffs. Out yeah, easily. Maybe to the finals. I mean, the West is really good, but with free agency – who knows what's going to happen? Houston seems like a ticking time bomb right now with the <laughs> tension between Chris Paul and the front office. And, and they're James trying Harden to they're trying to add Jimmy Butler to that. Trying, uh, yeah, so I mean, the West could be getting a little bit more manageable. I mean, top to bottom, they're going to be solid, but it's not going to be as top heavy as it's been for the last three, four, five years with Golden State. Yeah, it's actually um, open this so it's, year. It's going to be real open this year, especially to see what Clay Thompson does. I mean, I, I expect him to resign with the Warriors, but if he doesn't, yeah, I heard they're for the Warriors. I heard they're planning on offering him the max immediately, yeah. so, so he'll and, accept and, that. And, and, and they can there. offer him the super max if they can even afford it. Uh, uh, I think he's short of the super max actually. Are they? Okay. He's um, like five years, one ninety or something like that. Yeah, so which is still a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, it's still like it's, it's ridiculous. So, like, I mean, I would imagine that even like I don't know, even if he didn't get the max, I would imagine he'd probably want to stay because like he knows he's with a team that can win a championship. Yeah, like he yeah, knows no he's doubt. with Clay, he's with Draymond. Uh, he knows, like, I mean, Livingston and Iguodala are getting older, so you're gonna have to find replacements. But you got good players like Quinn Cook coming up. Uh, Kayvon Looney is, is, yeah. is playing really well. Is he is he a free agent this year? I think he is. I think he is, and I would imagine, I mean, he might have made himself a lot of money this offseason. Yeah, so we'll I don't know. If he outprices what Golden State's really w- willing to pay. I don't I don't know if they'll be able to re-sign him, uh, Kevon Looney, just because the NBA's got so many rules regarding their luxury tax. You can only be in the luxury tax for three straight years. So the fourth year, you have to get out of the luxury tax, or it's a Dude, big penalty or whatever against you. On all this stuff, and this, it's it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, like it's, it's impossible to figure everything out. So, um, but yeah, so that that's kind of the Lakers deal. They're really in a in a weird spot. It's like, okay, we can go sign a third max player. That's gonna be awesome. Oh, we only have like four people. <laughs> Nobody else finish. coming to play terrible. with us. <laughs> so, <laughs> it'll be I'll be real interested to see kind of what happens there. Um, so Celtics outlook, what, what are you thinking post-draft going into, um, the, uh, free agency starting soon on Sunday, this opens up Sunday and I have heard Kimball Walker possibly going over there. So a week ago on this podcast, before our technical difficulties, I was on here upset about losing Al Horford. 
okay with losing Kyrie Irving, but still not happy about it, and enjoying our youth movement. But then it came out, what, two days ago, that the Celtics are at the top of Kemba Walker's list, and I wanted to cry. I (laughs) truly, truly wanted to cry. Kemba Walker, again, a small point guard who is basically him and Kyrie are almost the same player. Now, Kyrie is obviously better than Kimball Walker, but I think what Kimball Walker brings to your locker room and leadership and on-the-court leadership outweighs Kyrie Irving by a ton. So I think he will be able to bring the team together a little bit better than anything that Kyrie Irving ever did. So I would love to get get Kimball Walker. Now, I'm not getting my hopes up until Sunday, and we'll see what happens from there. uh, Yeah, exactly. But the one thing I am worried about with signing him is where do you go from there as a center option? Um, now, we'll, we'll have, I think it was right at $4 million left for a mid-level exception. So we can sign a center, but who do you get? Like, do you go after Dwayne Dedman? Do you go after Nerlens Noel? Like, at that point, those are really our only options at center unless we make a trade for somebody like a Clay Capella or a Miles Turner, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Totally on board for getting Kimball Walker. Very excited about our draft picks. I love Carson Edwards. Dude's a beast. Um, he'll be able to come in and get buckets for us. So, uh, yeah. A week ago I was upset. Now I'm happy. Yeah, a week ago you were just like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We, we <laughs> might do kind of good with our young players. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, so Pelicans moving forward. Uh, we, of course, got the number one draft, lost Anthony Davis. Anytime you lose a top five player, it's going to be kind of hard. Um, but we get the number one player on the draft in Zion Williamson. We get some really good players in Brandon Ingram, who I think is going to be solid for years to come. Um, Lonzo Ball, eh, we'll see. Yeah. I'm not excited <laughs> about his dad being in town and all that <laughs> crap. Um, Josh Hart I'm excited about. And, and the thing about Josh Hart is that – seems to embrace being a Pelican and being traded over here because when you look at his Twitter and hear everything, he's like recruiting hard, like super pumped to be over here. So that's really cool uh, to see. Um, So we have that. And then now we need, we need a center. Um, Right now, I think the only real center we have that's not a rookie is um, Jalil Okafor. We just signed him kind of to a small contract. So we need a center, and, and we need another probably a wing that can shoot, yeah. which is something that we've needed for a very long time. So um, potential kind of um, options for those. I heard there was some interest of Al Horford coming. I don't know if that's really going to happen, and I'd really rather not get Al Horford. See, I mean, I love him as a player, but one – He's going to want a lot of money in like five years or four years on a contract. Yeah. And what, he's like 33? He's 33 right now and looking for a four-year over $100 million Yeah, so contract. like if that was two, three years ago, then I would consider it. But now, yeah. man, like we can't do that. We're trying to be young. And, um, I mean, he's a great player. It's just too much money for, for that old, old player for me. Uh, maybe Brooke Lopez. Um, he, he might fit. Uh, for somebody who needs shooting, he can shoot. I mean, he's been shooting the three ball well. He has really good defense. Um, only player to average two threes made a game and two blocks in the same game. Um, 
it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that is. And But the only thing with Brook Lopez is that he fits so well with Giannis that Milwaukee will probably really want yeah. to keep him and might drive his price a lot higher than what we want. Um, Nikola Mirotic, which um, he, uh, he, he played with the uh, Pelicans the year before, then got traded. Um, I really like him as a player. I mean, he's, he's a good player, he's and he really can definitely defense. shoot, too. He can shoot three. Um, whenever we were in the playoffs, he had a really good postseason with us uh, last year. Um, and so I could kind of see him coming back. Um, Tobias Harris hmm. has been brought up. I heard it today, which you get Tobias Harris, you don't really have much money left. Yeah. Is the only thing with him. But And then what do you scoring, do with Brandon Ingram at that point? Brandon, yeah, it'll be interesting. So if you get Tobias Harris – bring Brandon Ingram off the bench as a sixth man or maybe just play small. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those two. Um, J.J. Redick, his price is probably going to be a little too high for my liking. Um, maybe Kevon Looney. I don't know if that would really work, though, with him and Zion. I don't know if that's really a good fit. Because yeah. I mean, if you get a five, you're probably going to want to get a guy that can either get a, have a mid-range or three-point shot. So I don't think that would be a really good fit. So It depends what you're looking for with – how you want to pair it with Zion. If you're looking for somebody who's going to play defense behind Zion, then Kevon Looney would be perfect for him. But if you're looking for Zion to play big on defense and be small on offense, then a shooter would be perfect, like yeah. a Miritich or a Brook Lopez. Yeah, so um, it'll be it'll be real interesting to see how David Griffin uh, kind of fills out the rest of the lineup. Um, I know kind of a big thing that he's been talking about uh, recently and just kind of talking about this offseason and how he's going to develop the roster is he really wants to get high-character guys that are good locker room fits that are either young, either good locker room fits that are young or mentors, yeah. really. Because, kind of, I mean, we really want to build this thing right. So you get good mentors there, guys that are really good character guys, that are really good locker room guys. That's not Kyrie Irving, obviously. <laughs> then that's what we're looking for. And Tobias Harris is both of those. Um, and he can score. So if they get him, not much money left afterwards. Yeah. That might be okay just depending on how we do. But um, we'll have to see, see how it turns out. So I'm really excited, though. The future's bright. I can see us. Uh, possibly getting to a second round um, in the playoffs this year. I'm not setting that as my expectations now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I saying do that's, that. that's probably <laughs> quite be, yet. That's going to be kind of the 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 bar. That's going to be the highest mark that that I see. And if they go beyond that, I'm going to be ecstatic if they get there. They go beyond that and somehow get to a Western Conference Finals. Then that would be like crazy, amazing. <laughs> the but world it'll would be end. just amazing if they get to a second round playoff, just with how it is now. Um, so. Really, really excited to see um, about that. So, any other NBA talk or free agent talk or anything that you want to talk about before we kind of move on here? Mm. You want to talk about Kyrie at all? You want to talk about Knicks, Nets? Mm. Um, I don't want to talk about Kyrie. <laughs> I'm done with him. Are you, are you talk, tired of talking about Kyrie? I still love Kyrie, but I'm done with him. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll move on. So, uh, we'll do a little bit of college football talk. It's uh, It's the end of June. It's June twenty eighth, the day that we're that we're uh, recording this. We're getting there. We're getting slowly, a, but slowly, surely, slowly but surely we we're will get there. there. Um, so we're gonna talk about a couple of things. What are you most excited about this upcoming uh, season? 
All right, so I got two things. The first thing is I am actually really excited to see how Alabama responds to getting absolutely destroyed by Clemson in the national championship. It'll be interesting to see how they come out this year, if they kind of play with that chip on their shoulder. Because if you watch them in the national championship game, they play like they were the best team in the world. Like they could be an NFL team. They play with almost an arrogance about them instead of confidence and that sounds weird, but it's true. Um, so they were playing really arrogant and, and just kind of really cocky. And so it'll be interesting to see how they respond this year. Um, and another thing, I'm excited to see how Jalen Hurts plays at Oklahoma. Because, you know, they've had the back-to-back Heisman winners with Baker and Kyler Murray last year. Um, so it'll be cool to see how Jalen responds to um, Oklahoma and See how and not see how he does. Okay, what else you got? What else are you excited for? That's it. That's it. Okay, cool. So um, one thing that I'm really excited about are the non-conference games coming up this year. So uh, you got a, a, a good bit of them. Uh, Notre Dame going to Georgia this year, so that'll be a big game. Uh, you got LSU at Texas. Texas A&M going to Clemson. Um, Auburn against Oregon. Um, then you kind of get to normal North Carolina, South Carolina, Oklahoma, UCLA. Um, we'll see how Chip Kelly does in the second year. Boise State plays Florida State. Um, and then that really kind of uh, is kind of the end. Uh, a, a good kind of rematch of a really good game last year of Arizona State and Michigan State playing again um, in September. So. I think you're forgetting Alabama and Duke. That's not an exciting <laughs> game. Like, so I'm looking at this um, this website that has like the top like 19 or whatever non-conference games or whatever. It has freaking Duke and Alabama at number seven. I told which you. Honestly, I told you. There really aren't a ton of games. Like a lot of these are kind of like smaller kind of conference games, but like still like Duke is trash. I don't know why you no, schedule Duke no, is Duke, a legit no. power. House since in the when? ACC. Since when? Since when have they done? They've anything? always been a powerhouse in the ACC. Four or five games. <laughs> Maybe a time they've won or lost less than four games. Uh, two years ago. I don't believe you. Look it up. I don't believe you. Look it up. They lost three games. Th- three, games. three games. Three games. Look it up. Get out of here. Yeah, Duke is no. Duke, Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up right now, but no. Even if they did only lose three games, okay, there's still not a legit program for you to schedule as your number one game it was, in freaking Atlanta. It was okay? either two gonna, or three years ago, I'm telling Duke, you. You're going to have Duke come to your it was, field. I, I'm telling you, it was okay? either two or three years ago, they only lost three games, and that's why we scheduled them, because they were on the rise. They were. They had a one year. Exactly. One, exactly. No, that's all need, it takes is one you year. Need more than one flash in the pan. No, that's all it takes no, is one year. it doesn't. Right? No, that's all it takes, it. one year. No. Get out, get out of here, Mason. This is crap. <laughs> Okay, this is unbelievable crap you're trying to feed me right Did now. you find it? I'm looking, listen, it's kind of hard to do this with one hand because I don't have a little stand for my mic anymore because uh. my thing broke. So I'm having to do this with one hand. I'm, I'm not even going to look at it. You can look at it for me. Um, but yeah, so Duke is a terrible, terrible opening game. And I don't know why you have Alabama and Duke as your freaking <laughs> star matchup in Atlanta at the Merge City Spin Stadium. Like, if you're going to play Duke as your number one game, you're going to force them to come to Tuscaloosa and play you. Like, get out of here with this neutral sh- 
neutral site, and you know that the media is going to try and hype this up as much as possible and try and hype up Duke as much as they can. That way they can get their ratings so everybody watches Alabama destroy Duke like we all know it's going to happen. Okay? Not excited about that at all. Okay? And I'm going to also lead into what I'm not excited about this year, and it's, and this isn't a shot at Alabama. Okay? It's not. This is more of a shot at the national media. Okay? Alabama's schedule does not start yet again until November. And we're going to hear all freaking year until November of how they are the best team ever, how Tua is going to win six Heismans, and he's the best player on earth, and they should just play NFL teams, and blah, blah, and all this glorious stuff that Alabama is going to be the greatest team ever, which happened last year, and then they got destroyed by Clemson, okay? So, like, let's stop with this Alabama's the greatest when they're playing crappy SEC teams. They're playing freaking Duke until November, okay? When they play LSU, they play Auburn, um, and they play uh, one other team that's kind of good. But Oh, Mississippi State, that's right. So those are your real three top SEC West opponents other than Alabama that they're going to face all of them in November, by the way. So let's get that out of the way. Their season doesn't start till November. Yes, we're going to hear about how Tua only plays for the first half every single freaking game and that he's the best player ever. He's only going to play one half against LSU and all these great players. They're really going to have to play full game for the first time in November. Okay? Why are you hating? I'm not hating Alabama. Respect hating the greatness. Me. I found it, by the way. 20, okay. 2014. 2014. They lost four games. 14. Four lost, games. There you go. Four games. That's what I said. When yeah, was exactly. the last time they didn't, that they lost less than four games? No, four games. is that That's the minimum right there. Exactly. That 2014. Proves, so that's that proves my point, Mason. That was they their year. That's worthy. when we scheduled they them. That not, was, they were on the rise at that point. They are not worthy of you guys <laughs> playing a neutral site game first game of the year. Okay, They're let's not. be real. You're Nobody's gonna worthy. Duke. You're going to play Duke. Okay, go. Nobody's schedule, worthy. Go schedule Ohio State. They're not worthy. Go schedule Clemson. They're not worthy. Go schedule Oklahoma. Not worthy. Go schedule Oregon. Not worthy. Go schedule, I don't know. Florida State, which you already <laughs> did. Like, you schedule yeah, okay. good teams. See, look You're at not that. scheduling some of these other teams, like Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, um, Clemson, like Texas A&M. We do Texas. schedule them. December, um, December and January every year. That's when they're scheduled. Yeah, get out of here, Mason. That, that's a load <laughs> of crap. So, scheduling teams, like, okay, I can understand you guys scheduling Louisville last year. I can understand that one because they were actually on the rise. Yeah. They had a real good player and Lamar Jackson, which you thought they'd be able to build on, <laughs> which obviously that didn't happen last year because they were terrible. But anyways, like, I can understand that because they were better and showed better promise than Duke, okay? <laughs> they showed better, like, no, get out of here with that garbage, Mason, okay? Get out of here. Um, also, kind of going backwards to something else that I'm really excited about is um, LSU's new offense, Joe Brady, RPO, spread offense, really excited. It's about time y'all got an offense. For real. It's been a super long time. So really excited to see how Joe Burrow grows up. But, yeah, so uh, things you're not looking forward to. Um, number one, Trevor Lawrence. I I don't even have words for that, man. Dude so, is just ridiculous. Um, who's going to win the Heisman, Trevor Lawrence or Tua? Uh, Tua, duh. Okay, no, but for real, probably Trevor Lawrence because I'm sure Tua's going to end up getting hurt this year. <laughs> Have you heard all of his injury bullcrap going on right now? No. I, like, I don't listen to Alabama sports radio. Wow, so I you really know. should. Why? So he has the ankle thing, and now he's missing the Manning Passing Academy because he has a bum hamstring right now. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I actually met him. Well, look at you. About a month ago. 
at Thompson's you get, graduation. You get, you get his autograph? No, I said hey to him, though. How you, you didn't even get a picture with him, did you? No, I did not. What are you doing, man? Like, if I you're said gonna, hey to if him. You're that's that's him all I needed. And say, hey, have him like sign your arm or Look, something. Look, he, he gets bum-rushed by fans all the time. I just wanted to be the chill guy that he remembers that just He's said hey to him. He's going to remember me. He's not going to remember We're already best friends. Um, <laughs> is, he, is he following you on Instagram and Twitter? Uh, yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? What, what, are, what are you excited about? So, so, okay, tell me about like this whole injury stuff that's been happening with Tua apparently this offseason. His ankle, bad hamstring. Yeah, it was his ankle and his hamstring. It's the two things that I've heard so far, which scares me a little bit. Because if he gets hurt, yeah, tell me about it. If he gets hurt, I don't know. Oh, we got his little brother. We're good. I forgot about that. He's not there yet, is he? Yeah. He is there? Yeah. Him and uh, Bear Bryant's great-grandson or whatever it is. He can't even win state. Okay, get out of here. Who did he play against? Hoover? No. He beat Hoover, but he lost to... He beat uh, Hoover? That's all I needed to hear. No. He got... Did you watch the state championship game this past year? No. They got destroyed by Phoenix City. Well, like, yeah, they he did. Didn't, like, they didn't score a touchdown with him playing. Well, look, that's because so, he's no. at my rival high school. So, Pelham greater than Thompson. It doesn't matter. Like, you, it, no, get out of here. <laughs> he yeah. beat Hoover. That's all that, he that's beat all Hoover we needed. and got destroyed by Phoenix City, okay. which would have destroyed Hoover anyway. So, it really didn't Yeah, matter. okay, so there's your, there's the point. No, no. He, he, he couldn't score. As, if he's a top quarterback, an amazing quarterback, you have to score at least one time. So, I you're guess. telling me that that's every quarterback in the world has scored a touchdown in every game that they've ever played? As a senior, yeah, probably. I doubt it. I really doubt it. In playoffs like that? I doubt it. When you really need to? When your team really needs you? When you carry that team? I expect you to score one touchdown. Did Drew Brees win his state championship in high school? I don't freaking know. Yeah, exactly. Probably not. He probably got beat by you some have bum. No evidence to bring any of this up. He probably so got beat by talking, some bum. You're talking who's some at home selling paper right Listen, now. Listen, it doesn't matter. He's the goat. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, I was gonna say something else. Oh, I want to bring this up to you, and I don't have this on the outline, so it's gonna be a surprise question. Ooh. And it's in regards to LSU. So uh, kind of want to get an outsider's perspective, and then you also get uh, an LSU fan's perspective. So. First, and it'll be kind of a couple of questions, kind of eventually getting to my point. So, think back to 2017, the 2017 football season, and think about that LSU team that year. They had Darius Geis, DJ Chark, kind of those players, Jamal um, Adams, right? I think I'm pretty sure Jamal Adams and a couple other solid dudes there. They went nine and three. Um, what did you think of that team that year? Did you think, and, and this is Ed Orgeron's first year, uh, first full year at least, um, what did you think about that team? Did you think 9-3 of three was acceptable? Was it a good year or bad year? Personal opinion. For, For LSU. Um, yeah, I would I, say. Let me bring up more information, but you can keep talking. Okay, but just what off of what you gave me, especially it being Ed uh, Orgeron's first year, I would say 9-3 is perfect for for that. That's a good team, but being a first-year coach and really not having your guys there, not having your recruits um, that you want in there, that's a great year at 9-3. Um, so um, that's the year that we got drummed 
by Mississippi State, 37-7. to Also the year we lost to Troy. Oh, I remember that. Fun times right there. The big win of the year was a comeback win against Auburn. Wait, you said y'all had three losses? You only named two of them. The other loss was Notre Dame in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. And we had one game that was canceled. Um, so we lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game. We lost to Bama. Mm. So we lost. We had four losses. Nine and three regular season, four total losses. So we lost to Bama, um, Notre Dame, lost to Troy, and got destroyed by Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, and that's... Players that year were... Um, Darius Geis was the big guy that year. Um, DJ Chark. It was Ed O'Dron's first year. You had Danny, Danny Etling still as the quarterback. Um, let's see who else were the kind of big guys. Um, Kevin Tolliver, Dante Jackson. Um, let's see. Any other guys that were real big players that year? Corey Thompson. I'm looking kind of on defense. Um, Yeah, so so with all that information, what's your thoughts? I still think that's a good year. You think it's a good year? Yeah, okay. because, like I said, that was Coach O's first year. He doesn't have his recruits in there quite yet. Um, he's still trying to develop a system, trying to get it rocking there. Um, and for him to be able to knock off a 9-3 regular season, that's really impressive to me. And, yes, you lost to Troy, and, yes, you got destroyed by Mississippi State. But that's kind of some of the things that you can expect from first-year head coaches. I mean, even Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year at Alabama. Okay, so, so. yeah, okay. So, I get I get that reasoning, but also the situation that Nick Saban came in at Alabama when he came is a lot different, oh, yeah. I would say, than the situation that Ed Ogeron came into LSU. Would you say it was better or worse? I would say Ed Ogeron came into a better situation at okay, LSU yeah. than Nick Saban came into Alabama at the time. Yeah, yeah. Because Alabama just got done with, what, like a four and whatever, four-win season? If that. Under Shula the year before. Yeah. And then Nick Saban goes six and six, which is fine. Like I, I, I get that. We lose to UL Monroe. You're at LSU. You were the interim coach the year before with – a stacked roster, by the way. Yeah. Leonard Fournette, uh, Jamal Adams, Trey White, uh, Kendall Beckwith. Um, you had, uh, I mean, just a complete solid roster that was stacked. An amazing defense that probably our best defense in a long time. And so, like, you've you've had time to kind of somewhat install your system, your 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 culture then. You come out, you get beat by Mississippi State by the biggest margin we've ever lost to Mississippi State ever yeah. before, like ever, in program history. After a nine-win season the year before. And then you come and lose to Troy. That, like, not... Ex- you've heard me rant about this plenty of times, and you've heard Mason take shots at me, but, like, in all seriousness... Just that loss alone makes the season a failure to me. <laughs> oh, man, the um, Trojans. I, I, I could, so with the roster that we had, the schedule that we had, we didn't have a very hard schedule. 
that record to me ending up nine and four after the bowl game to Notre Dame, which we should have won. That was the ugliest game ever. Yeah. It's a failure to me. Next year, twenty eighteen, <clears throat> we lose three games again. So we'll go nine and three again. We beat Georgia. <coughs> Only losses were to Florida, Alabama. And the seven overtime monstrosity against Texas A&M. Thoughts on last season's LSU team? Thoughts on the season overall? Did you think it was a success? Do you think it was a failure? Thoughts on O's second year? What, what do you think? On an outsider's kind of perspective. Judging that year is kind of hard for me because Coach O is kind of seems like a guy who is not going to win on his own as a head coach. And when I say that, I mean he is going to have to have great coordinators around him. And if he doesn't have those great coordinators, then I don't know how good LSU actually is. Um, You saw the new quarterback take over, uh, Joe Burrow, and then he showed some development, which made it interesting that um, y'all actually had some glimpses of an offense outside of smash mouth and running it down the middle every single play. So, seeing that, I wouldn't say it was a full-blown success, but I also wouldn't say that it was a failure season. Yeah, so, I mean, even just kind of looking at the schedule, um, preseason the schedule was brutal. Yeah. I mean, even kind of look. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule now, and, and it shows what the teams were currently ranked when we played them. So, we played Miami, neutral site, opening the year. A lot of people like Miami. They were number eight. Um, played uh, Southeast Louisiana. Then we played on the road at Auburn, who at the time was number seven. Louisiana Tech, Ole Miss. Then go on the road to number then 20, Florida, and lose. And then we play Georgia at home, who at the time was number two, then ended up making the playoff show to beat Bama. <laughs> Psych. Um, then we played Mississippi State, who at the time was number 22 and one. Lost to Alabama, who's number one. Beat Arkansas on the road. Beat Rice, lost to at A and M, and then beat UCF in the bowl game. Um, so you're you're kind of like it was a middle of the road season. Yeah, middle so, of the road. Okay, because you have some really good wins in there, but at the same time, you didn't necessarily overperform. I would say. So it was just kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Okay, so like comparatively to what the season expectations were for like national media and everything, a lot of people thought. LSU was going to have seven, yeah, yeah. maybe eight wins. So in that perspective, I guess it was overachievement. Yeah. And kind of with that kind of thought, I think a lot of LSU fans feel like the season was really good, like a really good success. And that's the thing. A lot of people um, in the really? national media sleep on LSU just because they've never had an offense and stuff like that. It's kind of and been so, the same old, same old type thing. Yeah. Don't get over the hump. Can't yeah. beat Bama. Exactly. It was a really hard schedule last year, which I, I understand the sense of the media saying that last year was going to be a bad year, six, seven, eight wins maybe when you look at the schedule. But I mean, even my initial thoughts, and I end up being right on some of it, was that I didn't think the schedule was going to end up being as hard as it was. Miami wasn't as good. Auburn wasn't as good. Georgia was really good, which was a really good win for us. Um, so in that sense – Kind of looking back, like a lot of Tiger fans were really happy with it and think it's a success. Yeah, I think it was a really good year, mm-hmm. all things kind of considered. We get a quarterback in who was there for eight weeks before the season started. 
So my my main question then is, what do you think of the possibility of LSU going nine and three yet again this coming season? Because we have Texas and we have Alabama, which are two real potential losses. Yeah. Okay. Add into the fact of you always had the wild card of Texas A&M, Florida, and uh, Mississippi State possibly. Yeah. Which are really kind of our three real hard remaining. Because we get Vanderbilt coming on the schedule this year for our other East opponent. Well, that's a definite so loss right there. Definitely <laughs> loss. So totally losing on the road to Vandy. Um, so it's O's third year, Joe Bur- uh, Burrow's second year. Um, what what would be your thoughts if at the end of the year, if at the end of the year, LSU finishes nine and three before the bowl game, with losses to Texas, Bama, and either A and M or Florida. Mm. Both of those are home games, by the way. So. I think a nine and three year this year <coughs> is going to be bad <laughs> for Coach O, because you kind of see him getting into the routine of nine and three, nine and three, like you just said it back to back nine and three years. If another 93 year pops off, then you know you're gonna hear some rumbling from the LSU fans on what Coach O is actually doing, um, and how the offense is gonna be this year. Um, especially with that, um, putting in a new offense doesn't just happen immediately. You kind of have to take your time with it, and so it'll be interesting to see how that works with them this year. Um, so a 93 year this year probably won't be the best thing. Yeah, so um, I'm going to look at kind of the past history here of um, records. Let me find it. Yearly records. That's not what I wanted. Yeah, so um, I would agree with you in the sense of Man, like, we fired Les Miles at the end because he couldn't get more than 10 wins. Yeah. He was getting into the 9-3 and three kind of hole. And so, does 9-3 and three get O fired or put him on the hot seat for next year? I think at the very least it puts him on the hot seat for the next year. Yeah, I don't think he gets fired after um, a 9-3 season, but I think he does get put on the hot seat. And honestly, and I would hope that if this happens again, and, and a lot of this kind of probably also stems from the fact of how the game against Bama this year went, and that we couldn't score a point in our own stadium. <laughs> and it was it was really kind of a demoralizing kind, kind of game that, we, that as an LSU fan you watch. And the fact that this is your big game of the whole year and you can't score and for the second time in your own stadium in three years. Yeah. You can't score a point. So that so like you don't even know where the gap is anymore. And so if you have another game like that again against Bama where it's similar we might score, but it's similar in the fact that it's not really there's not really any doubt in the game late. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it'll definitely be a hot it's, seat here. It's going to be a hot seat, and a lot of people are probably going to want O's head. And I get it. Like, it's it's your third year. You should be getting over the hump. We should be close to being beating Alabama. 
we're beat Alabama this year. We shouldn't be losing to A&M or Florida. We can beat Texas in their own stadium, even though it's hard. If you go out there and lose one game this season just to Alabama, depending on how that game goes, I'm fine. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. So it's going to be a real big year. Because even if you still have that one loss, you know that's still going to put you in the conversation for potentially the SEC, seeing what happens with Alabama the rest of the year and, and the national championship. Yeah, and playoff. So um, I guess for me, kind of low-balling, I'm still somewhat happy with two losses this year. Yeah. It depends on how those losses happen. You just so, got to get over the 9-3 and three hump. Got to. And, and if you can't, he, he, needs to, he needs to watch out. So we'll finish it up here um, real quick. You got any final thoughts down to the wire here? Uh, um, nothing today. Show. Nothing today. Courtney, you have any final thoughts? About what? About anything. I'm hungry. We're about, <laughs> to, <laughs> we're about to finish up here. Make your wife dinner. Do you have any... Final thoughts about anything sports, draft, football. You need to come over here to the mic if you want to say anything. I'm hungry. Make your wife dinner. I'm about to make her dinner. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Welcome back, Mason. Thank you, thank you. We'll probably be doing another one. Me, you, Court. We'll probably be doing a football preview here in August coming up soon. So we'll be getting ready for that. Me and Courtney are going to tag team you. Oh, I know. Do I need to get Becca over here to help? Good luck with that. She sounds busy. Yeah, Becca would be on our side anyways, even though she's an LSU fan. Becca would not be on your side. She would cower into the corner. She is not on your side. She would cower into the corner and not know what to say. I would give her her confidence. (laughs) All right, so we're getting the cue. We're out. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.